Hi, guys. Sean and I have some exciting news. Uh, we have created official Twitter and Instagram accounts for the Oh, Mr. Sheffield podcast. It is at Oh, Mr. Chef pod on both platforms. And that is Oh, Mr. Chef with two Fs. So Oh, Mr. Chef pod. Check it out. Follow us. It's going to have all the latest and greatest from us about this show. Um, and we hope you like it. Now enjoy the episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The flashy girl from Flushing, the nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Miss uh, Fine. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Nanny Cast. That's right. It's a podcast all about yours and our favorite show, The Nanny. I am Shondi Pasquale. Uh, I am here with uh, my co-host, Toria. Please, I'm not making this up. Sheffield. <laughs> For a second, I thought you, I was going to cut in because I thought you paused because you forgot my last name. <laughs> oh, no. I'm just, well, no. Not only did I not forget your last name, I was cognizant of your last name through every second of the pilot, the <laughs> nanny. And I was like, wow, I didn't even realize that I'm doing a nanny cast with Mrs. Sheffield. And you know what else is weird? What was weird for me while I was watching it? Not only was my father Mr. Sheffield, he was a widower whose first wife was named Sarah. And I Whoa. didn't realize that was her name until we rewatched the podcast. Now that we have gotten our qualifications out of the way for why we're the perfect people to be hosting this podcast. <laughs> well, we didn't really cover your qualifications. You just, you oh, just uh, you're just a grown oh, man who loves the nanny. Oh, sorry. I'm just a grown man who loves the nanny. Also, I was, I'm Jewish and, uh, the, the, you know, I think that's all the qualifications that a man needs. <laughs> I'm a Jewish man raised by Jewish women, and this show speaks to me on a lot of levels. Deeply. Deeply. But should we also quickly touch on how we know each other? I yeah. feel like we don't want there to be just this mystique of... Well, we used to work together at a place called Bunny Ears. It mm-hmm. was a... I don't know. How do you want to describe it, Toria? It's... It sounds weirder than it is, but we used to work for Macaulay Culkin, who had this creative... I'll wait. I'll just let that part sink in. We met because we worked for Macaulay Culkin and he had uh, this really fun little creative project called Bunny Ears, which was like a podcast, a website, a YouTube channel. And we with literally like two other people got to be part of that crazy circus for a couple of years. And through that, Sean actually, Sean, you hired me. You found me. I found you. You found me. And then, you know, it was just... We've just never stopped. <laughs> no, we haven't. We, we, Tori and I had a uh, instant rapport and it was like, Ooh, this person is great. And she gets it. And she's very funny. And I had read some of your stuff that you had written for Reductress. It was hilarious. I was like, Oh, this is like a great, you know, I was tasked with like, all right, assemble a team to make a satire website. I was like, mm-hmm. and, and oddly enough, nanny cast started as like a joke that we made on, on the yeah. Bunny Ears podcast. Mm-hmm. I forget why we needed a fake podcast, but we, we needed it for something. We needed – like the podcast used to have these bits interjected 
real ads and then bits. And we thought it would be funny to do a bit that was like a real ad for our fake podcast, which was uh, the nanny cast, uh, the podcast about the nanny. (laughs) And we recorded a promo. Um, We got really into the nitty gritty of what the fake podcast would be. And then we realized it was actually our dream podcast. Uh, Yeah, basically. (laughs) We then just talked about it for a long time about, you know, how amazing it would be if we actually ever did that podcast. And then we found out not that long ago that the nanny was going to be streaming yeah. on HBO Max. Yeah. And we realized that the universe was demanding that the nanny cast become a reality. Well, it was like our excuse for not doing it was always like, eh, where are we going to find the episodes and like whatever. But then it was like, the universe delivered the episodes to us in glorious high definition on a streaming site that I already use, HBO Max. And it is actually the only streaming service that I pay for and that I don't steal. Yeah. So, uh, me too. Actually. So, basically, again, the universe begging us yeah. to do this. So, yeah. So, without further ado, uh, this is the Nanny Cast. We are going to watch every single episode of the Nanny. <laughs> And then we're going to come here and we're going to talk about those episodes. And until we hit – how many – I don't even know how it's, many episodes. It's six know. times 22, I guess. Don't right. quote me. Don't quote me. We're also – um we're sort of uh, approximators by nature. So uh, <laughs> don't come here for the hard facts or the hard news. Come here yeah. for the conversation and the company. I mean – yeah, look, this is not like the the nanny documentary, you know, <laughs> like it's the nanny cast. We are fans of the nanny. We think it's a great show. There's 146 episodes of the show. Okay. So I would say that that means that we'll probably do 146 episodes of this and then we'll retire unless <laughs> my dream goal is that episode 147 is we get to interview Fran Drescher. I guess let's start by saying for for anybody who wandered into this podcast and doesn't know what the nanny is and is still still listening, I'm just going to put it out there. The nanny is an American sitcom that originally aired on CBS from 1993 to 1999. It starred Fran Drescher as Fran Fine, a Jewish fashionista, a... (laughs) Say that three times fast. A Jewish fashionista from Flushing, Queens, who becomes the nanny of three children from New York British High Society. That's right. That is from Wikipedia. (laughs) That's right. See, she was working in a bridal shop in Flushing, Queens, and then her boyfriend kicks her out. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Wait. Before – I'm almost like before we say anything, I think we should discuss the theme song. Okay. Yeah. Let's start with the theme song. It is one of my favorite theme songs of television – history i've been singing it and humming it literally all week since we started doing this um i I love it i love it i love a theme song that tells the story of the show in the theme song that's the thing you don't get a lot anymore i was gonna say same thing it's it's like this throwback to like the bewitched i dream of genie thing where you just you get it all out of the way in like 60 seconds and uh, i was gonna say the fresh prince also does that that's another one well, the Fresh Prince does it much like this one lyrically and also with like visual aids. But like the other two, they were just like kind of cartoons telling the story of the show. Like I don't think Bewitched had a lyrics. No, no, you're right. It was all it was a it was a visual storytelling. But yeah, this yeah. much like the Fresh Prince was like, hey, look, here's the if you missed the pilot, here's the pi- I mean, and and going into the pilot, that was actually a question I had. Was like, I wonder. 
if the pilot tells the story of the of the uh, of the theme song, and it does, and weirdly enough, the pilot. So the pilot opens with the scene, the the, the first line of the of the theme song. Right, she's working at a bridal shop in Flushing Queens. <laughs> then her boyfriend kicks her out in a fairly crushing scene, mostly played comedically. And then she's like, "What do I do now?" That's the literally the teaser of the episode, and then it plays the theme song, which then proceeds to tell you everything else that's about to happen, yeah. and then it goes into the show, like kind of taking all of the air out of the first episode of this show. But you know what, though, I read in my research, quote unquote, that the pilot actually initially had a version of um, "If My Friends Could See Me Now." That was like, the, uh, and then they changed it to the one that we n- now know and love as the nanny theme song. So it's like, if my friends could see me now, that's interesting. I'm a really good singer, <laughs> but good- but it was from like a Sweet Chariot, I think. But yeah. so maybe maybe if we if we were back in 1993, it wouldn't have spoiled it for us. Maybe, yeah, that's a good point. They also apparently they also that whole first bridal shop scene was different in the original pilot and they reshot that entire scene when CBS picked up the series. So there's a version of this pilot with a different scene at the beginning and, um, and a different song. Um, And then I guess CBS picked it up and they were like, we don't get the breakup here. We don't understand what's happening. So they reshot the scene, I guess, to make it more explicit or like more, like more clear that he was breaking up with her. Yeah. Um, yeah because he's basically, she's like, he's like, you know, I'm breaking up with you and you're fired. And she's like, since when? And he's like, since I started, you know, seeing Helen or whatever her name was. Heather Biblo, who by the way, was not, he was originally supposed to say since I started dating Val, which I think was a funnier, when I was watching the pilot, I was like, oh, is he going to say I'm dating the other girl there? Cause I forgot that character was Val. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually think that that's like funny. I think it's a funnier beat if he's like, no, I'm dating. And it's literally the person in the wedding dress. It's like a way funnier <laughs> beat. Well, anyway, go on, go on. So she, she's just going to go become the nanny and bring yes. literal joie de vie into the lives <laughs> of these children. Which, by the way, I'm not ashamed to admit, had to Google that. Wasn't sure what the fuck that meant. <laughs> it's no the, kid, the kids are finally smiling. Such joie de vie. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like it was. It's. The like, fact that they fit Joie de Vie into a theme song, yes. like, so good. So good. It's very musical theater, you know, where you mm-hmm. get – everyone's while musical theater will fit, like, like very strange words. And it's usually out of a need to rhyme something, you know? And um, does it rhyme with anything? The kids are probably smiling so Joie de Vie. Yeah, watch out, CC. It's watch, the- oh, and then you yeah. even you even get CC by yeah. name in the theme song. In the theme song. Yeah, it's just great. I literally I could spend the whole podcast just. Talking I know. About <laughs> Let's just make this the, the nanny theme song cast, and I would be, I would <laughs> be all fine with it. Right? Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? I think we have to move on. <laughs> I think we have to. Move on. Okay, so 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 we will, we we sort of covered the first part of the pilot, right? Like the mm-hmm. the, the the teaser. Or whatever. Okay, then she shows up to the Sheffield's door again, as the theme song states, <laughs> and she's working for. And I wrote this down, and I watched it twice to make sure. But she's working for Shades of the Orient Cosmetics. Oh which felt, no! Felt like a like a I guess was supposed to be a funny joke then, but now just feels like just doesn't land and feels like ooh, why are they saying that? And like I'm not even sure that I get the joke. Like I I don't. I don't know what the joke's supposed to be. Is it that like 
Asian people don't wear makeup. I, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, was it like I a think no, 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 no. I don't know. I think while definitely problematic now, you're reading even a beat too far. I think just shades, as in like shades of makeup, and then maybe it's sort of like Eastern theme somehow. Got it. Yeah, it but just, I mean. It- we can, I'm sure, like, it's just a given because this is from 1993 that there's going to be things that aren't going to 100% play in 2021. Um, it's just a fact of life. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just curious. I, I, I love to, I love to go back and watch things and see like, oh, what, what was funny to us and what did play it. Now you're like, oof. Woof. So <laughs> she shows up, classic case of mistaken identity, like just textbook like the door opens the butler sees her she's wearing like a you know fur kind of coat thingy and she looks nice and he's like oh you must be the nanny and uh and she just goes with it like she's just which is great i think one of the things that i always that i initially loved about this show the first time i watched it was that there's like a grift happening here that's like kind of impressive you know in the sense of She's 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 from Flashing Queens, and in the sense that she's not a nanny at all. Like it's just a grip. <laughs> like she's just like, oh yeah, I'm a nanny. Sure, what whatever. <laughs> like, um, and I I think it says a lot about the character, no? Because like, not a lot of people would have the balls. Wouldn't your first response be like, oh no, I'm not the nanny. I'm here selling like. Oh no, she's like athletic. she is like you know. <laughs> Like to her core, opportunistic, sees um, something, you know, her eyes light up when she sees a chance at like living in this lush house and she's shameless and she is sort of like the, um, like the hustler's not the right word, but you know, used to sort of having to like uh, nickel and dime and, and use her street smarts and she, she is not phased at all. She's looks around this swanky place and is like, sure, I can be the nanny if you need a nanny. She's just totally confident. It's <laughs> yeah. so confident. Yeah. Unshakable. Unflappable. Unshakable. Yeah. Really unflappable confidence. Um, and it's cool. Like you, you instantly like her as a character, especially in the face of, you know, she like, like they could have taken this pilot and she like got broken up with and she's like down on her luck and whatever, whatever. But like, they really, they, like the breakup, like really, she like doesn't blink twice. So she's just like, all right, whatever. Like, <laughs> I'm out. Um, yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> well, I, yeah, I was going to say this sort of, this is something I was going to talk about later, but it just, it works well here, which is sort of the origin of how this show even got created. And I think, you know, I never really knew like the background of this. I maybe just assumed that Fran Drescher got cast. She got sent out by, you know, her manager or talent agency or whatever to some casting call during pilot season. And she just happened to play this character. Well, it's actually completely the opposite. Fran Drescher was the huge creative engine behind this show. And it was, you know, she and her then husband very much modeled this character after who she really was and her actual vibe and built all of the storytelling and the jokes and the arcs around that first. And then, um, even the even crazier story is she happened to be on a plane. Um, she was an actress in LA, happened to be on a plane next to the president of CBS, <laughs> convinced him to, I mean, she had been like on a failed pilot earlier that year. It's not like she was a complete, like out of nowhere person. She convinced him to take a development meeting with her and they were on a plane to London. He said, okay, when we're back in LA, we'll do that. She had no ideas for a pilot but she spent a week with her English friend and her English friend's kids and kind of thought how funny this culture clash was when they went on a shopping trip, calls her husband 
and basically is like, you know, it's, it'll be like the sound of, I think the exact quote was, um, she pitched it as uh, a direct quote from Wikipedia, so it's not a direct quote, but she pitched it as a spin on the sound of music, except in Drescher's words, instead of Julie Andrews, I come to the door. Her husband replied, that could be it. And the idea of the nanny was spawned. And that's it. And it, 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 it like, it, that's why it works so well because she's, she, it's so authentically her. Yes. And I mean, look, much, I guess, in the way that her character has like, you know, unflappable confidence, like, you know, good on Fran Drescher, who also seems to have like, you know, balls of steel and is just like, oh, I'm on a plane next to this guy. I'm going to get a meeting. Oh, I got a meeting. Now I got to come up with a show. Like, you know, oh, I got to come up with a show. I'm going to just come up with the perfect concept and nail it. Uh, it's really I mean, it's, bravo. It is bravo. I mean, like, I literally, like, I, tr- like, I was just on a plane and, like, a man was basically, like, took off his mask to breathe on me and I didn't even have the guts to be like, excuse me, sir. Can you? <laughs> Please, please no. I was just like, you know what? Like, um, I don't need the confrontation. <laughs> I, you know, I just, I can't, I can't. I yeah. don't have it in me. So, but I um, just, it, it was awesome. It was a great story. But anyway, that whole point being, that is why it's just so authentically feels like her. It really is her. Um, and we get that right off the bat. She, she has total it factor. Oh, I mean, without question, like. Without question. And and the show, you know, from a writing standpoint, the show does – the pilot does a really solid job of nailing everyone. You know, a lot of shows now, you go like – like Parks and Rec I know is a great one that everyone always brings up where they're like, yeah, that show had to find its footing. And, you know, two seasons in, it started to get great. The Office is another one that like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. by season two or three, it's it's really great. But like, you know, credit to the to the writing on this, every single character in this pilot is – clearly defined <clears throat> they they know exactly what the cadence of of the show is going to be and then i mean you know i'm i'm going off of only my recollection because I, I haven't watched the rest of the episodes yet i i wanted to do it fresh as we talk about them but i feel like that's kind of where like the, it didn't change like they just had it from like the 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 you know the the rapport between cc and niles was like just it's just there in the pilot yeah. And it's, it's sort of a, it really is the ideal sitcom pilot. We know exactly what we're getting. We know exactly who everyone is, but it's not in a boring way and it's not in a like stale way. They, they achieved predictability and freshness in the same breath. And I was genuine. I mean, I, I, I love how I love this so much, but I genuinely was like, I love it. Like I want more. I could sit and binge yeah. this. Um, yeah. Just, you know, it was delightful. I mean, um, I, I think it's a testament to why the show was on for six years at a time when, you know, networks weren't just like willy nilly trying to like fill endless amounts of like airtime. You know, th- this was like a much different like landscape cable landscape was like vastly different when the show launched. And so it, you know, I mean, it's 1993. It's not like you had like 40 billion channels to choose from. So like, yeah, they, they saw what we're seeing, I think. And just like, Oh, this is, this just hits all the, it just does it. Um, So, so we, we should, so, okay. She, she's faking that she's this nanny. She has a fake resume that she wrote in lipstick at the last minute, but really she, she's just charming right so she meets mr sheffield who's the the head of the household you know she's met 
she's met the butler, uh, Niles, uh, who I, we never get a last name for. He's just always known as Niles throughout the entire show. Um, and then she meets Maxwell uh, Sheffield, who is like the head of the household. He is, as Tori said, he's a, a widower and he's got three children. Uh, and so we, we, so first we kind of meet him before he meets Fran. We, we cut to a scene of Maxwell, of Mr. Sheffield and his, I guess, business partner? Like or? business partner and sort of like lady friend, Cece. His, his gal Friday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Cece Babcock, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, is uh, Chastity Claire Babcock is her name. <laughs> and she clearly, like, she just wants him. Now, the thing that I can't remember as the series unfolds is I don't know if they ever make it clear. Does she actually love him or does she just want his money and the power that comes uh, with him? Because she hates the kids. She makes that clear in the first ep- like pilot episode, first time you meet her, she's like, I hate your children. And then she's like, oh, just kidding. I love them. She's, you know, she's sort of a social climber and there's this guy who has status and she is that type of person that just latches on. Yeah. And it seems like that's the, that's where like the impetus for the Niles CC relationship comes from is he just sees through her as someone who is just like not genuine. <clears throat> and then he instantly takes a liking to Fran for, for the exact opposite reason. He sees her as like, she's very honest and genuine, you know, at least straightforward. Um, you know, Cece, her kind of read on her sleeve. Frank. Yeah. Cece is like the, the stepmom from every iteration of the parent trap that's ever been created. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like that's her. And then Franz is, is just this like tornado of warmth and authenticity. Take it or leave it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you bring up the parent trap because it does feel like the, um, this sort of like episodic motor for this show is largely that, right? Where it's largely like they were like, well, what if we take that that moment in every like romantic comedy about like children of like divorce or loss and we have the dad who's got this, you know, potential suitor to be who sucks and then there's like the one who's really right for him and like normally it would be like a will they won't they thing and then they get together but like let's just stretch that out over the course of six six seasons well and that's what i mean where it's it's like both like um well-worn territory that still felt fresh because i mean like she said it is the sound of music you know we've seen this like that we've seen this before we know where it's going um and it's sort of like that woman that comes into their lives and like brings them to life again and it just never gets old and we just you know i guess we as a culture uh we just want to see a broken man uh, and ch- and sad children be happy again. <laughs> yeah, and and the other thing the pilot does well is it it's it instantly it's got good lines, right? It's got mm-hmm. good. Now, I will admit that a lot of the best parts for me of this episode are the Jewish humor. So I don't know if those are good lines. I don't know if that holds up for everyone. But like again, the show was on for like 146 episodes, so I guess it it tra- you know it translated, but like. You know, when she goes into the house in like the second scene and she's like, boy, do you have gorgeous tchotchkes? And he's like, what's a tchotchke? And she's like, you know, like knickknacks. And he goes, yeah. Uh, she goes, you know, like, like knickknacks and things. And he goes, oh, yeah, that Rodan is just a knickknack. And it's just like, it's I so mean- it's well, so good, but it's so dumb, you know? Like, and it's the whole part of it is, um, you know, it's the culture clash, which, you know, it feel like we're seeing the obvious, but it's so fun to watch. It's good, man. <laughs> um, the other well, weird thing is, so then 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to, I mean, we're also cutting ahead, but it's like, there's also like a running, like a child suicide gag, which, which I don't think you could do now, but we'll, we'll get to it. Well, that's what I was just going to, so, so, okay. So we set up CC, we set up, uh, you know, again, I don't know why I'm going through all this. It's not like anyone listening doesn't know what the man is, but whatever. Anyway, we meet CC, we meet Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Mr. Sheffield meets Fran. There's some back and forth. He's like, you know, well, I don't know. My kids are really tough. You know, they, they and then there's the running joke about the, the eldest son. Um, the middle child, Brighton. Yeah, Brighton keeps faking his own death and scaring the nannies. Um, mm-hmm. And so then, of course, he stumbles, you know, Mr. Sheffield leaves and Fran's alone. And, and of course, Brighton stumbles in with like a knife plunged into his chest. <laughs> He's like a 10-year-old boy. He's got like a knife plunged into his chest. <laughs> I mean, it's very, it's not, there's not like blood or anything. And he like falls to the floor, like he's dead. And of course she doesn't go for it, you know? Yes, again, unflappable. She asked him him if he has a pen actually. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then the weird thing happens. So then the other two children enter and it's, it's Gracie, who is the youngest. And then um, Maggie, who is the eldest. Mm -hmm. And they enter and Mr. Sheffield says to Gracie, how was therapy today? Mm-hmm. And it, it's a huge laugh from the audience. <laughs> like, like there's like a, like he breaks as if he delivered a funny line and then there's a beat and then the audience is like, ah, and, and it, it just, that also stuck out to me. It's like, wait, so was the punchline just like, oh, that kid's in therapy <laughs> because her mom is dead. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, again, we are, especially our culture's attitude on mental health has come so far in even the last like three years that, um, that it's like, yeah, you know, it's hilarious that, you know, it's almost like the, um, the over analytical overprivileged kid that is in therapy was like a joke. Um, right. But right. so, but this does set it up. It's like, okay, there's these three kids. Like the youngest one is super weird because she's clearly traumatized. The middle one's faking his own death. And the eldest, it's very clear that she's kind of like a, she's a total wallflower, very quiet, like instantly is like, I'm going to go up to my room and study. And, you know, Fran instantly looks at her and says something like, oh, like what a beauty. And and she just sort of gives her this this very specific type of maternal or, or she compliments her hair. I something think. like that, yeah, like a very specific warmth that you can tell this girl doesn't get usually well, from any instantly needs, be, you know, again, this is all framed around like, the, like their mom has died, you know, mm-hmm. his wife has died, um, which, which makes the line. It's like, yes, the idea of like overprivileged children being in therapy for no reason is like kind of funny, I guess. But then like, it's framed around like, well, but their mom just died. So yeah. like, yeah, she needed to talk to somebody. Um, but yes, they do. They frame Gracie, I think her first thing she comes or, in and she's yeah. she says uh, she had child regression therapy, childhood regression therapy, and she's like you know eight and <laughs> maybe younger. Yeah, and Fran is like, oh, that must have been a short session, you know, mm-hmm. or, or something like that. And the and the girl in this weird, which must have been like a we want you to sound like kind of weird and depressed note, mm-hmm. like acting note. She goes like. You have no idea how long it was. Or like you have no idea how complicated <laughs> I am. That's it. Yeah, how complicated I am. Yes. It's such a weird delivery. <laughs> and and I'm glad that ultimately I feel like they moved away from that and she ends up just like mimicking Fran a lot, I feel like, in the future. Which totally makes sense. Like if a seven or eight-year-old kid suddenly gets this like 
person in her life. It totally makes sense that that becomes her new model. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, Um, And so, yeah, I mean, this, you know, the pilot really just like gets friend to the point where like Mr. Sheffield hires her and, and really kind of solidifies the idea, which I had forgotten, which is that like, this is all about them getting over their grief. Like they're all broken in some way and Fran is going to come in in a very Mary Poppins-esque way and she's going to repair all of these people one at a time over. Yes, it's very much you don't always get what you want, but you get what you need theme to the pilot. And so she gets hired and he's preparing for this big benefit, you know, that the next evening. And Fran's explicitly told the children are not supposed to be there, but of course she doesn't take directives well. And she says, you know, we're a family. Of course the kids are going to be there. And so she gets them all gussied up for the evening, brings them out. It turns out to be like a resounding success and the kids being there only helps. And so things seem to be going great until uh, he, Mr. Sheffield sees his eldest, Gracie, no, Maggie, kissing one of the waiters who's played by James Marsden. Yes. Actually. Yes. And he totally freaks out and he blames Fran because Fran is the one who sort of gave her makeup and did her hair and got her this like sort of mature dress. And this is when like the real clash of the episode happens when all this buildup, you know, leads us to the initial tension, which is um, he basically says, she's not your daughter. You shouldn't have done this. And she says, well, yeah, you know, if she was my daughter, we'd be celebrating this really exciting thing that just happened to her. And he flips out and fires her. Um, And then later that night, while he's sitting alone in his office, Niles brings him a hamburger because he's like, you know, sir, you haven't eaten. And as he eats the hamburger, he realizes it's really delicious. And Niles says, yes, um, you know, Miss Drescher – or no, Miss Fine actually took it on herself to order it for the party because she called them noshes or something like that, where it was like – you know, she was she was convinced that you know Cece, as a waspy, uptight woman, wasn't going to order enough food. So That's she had like was. her line is her line is Shixas never order enough food. Is what <laughs> she says, and I that was another one that I was like, man, I fucking love this show. <laughs> like this is a show just for me. <laughs> yeah, Shixas never order enough food, and and so you know, as Mr. Sheffield is eating this sort of greasy, not classic hamburger that is just exactly what he needed. Niall says something to the effect of like, ah, I guess that was what you needed. And, and Mr. Sheffield goes, I don't think you're just talking about this hamburger, are you? Yeah. And I swear to God, it might have just been my mood. I got a little teary-eyed. <laughs> and he, no, I mean, look, it just – it does a very good job of um, not it, – it doesn't hit you over the head with it, um, you know, but it it subtly layers in as the episode progresses – the idea that these people are all traumatized. They're all dealing with some type of grief. Like they all are in a place where like, they're clearly missing an important female figure in all of their lives. Right. Whether it's a mother figure Mm -hmm. or a wife or, you know, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. Cece's not cutting it, you know? And Mm -hmm. like, that's why he hasn't pulled the trigger. And that's why there's like all this weird tension and animosity. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, it really sets it up for like, yeah, by the end, you're definitely like, Oh, I want to see what happens. Like I Mm want to see how she, how she's, keeps this going and, and, and do they end up together? You, you, you kind of instantly, they have really good chemistry, I think immediately. Yeah. And you really want to see these kids come out of their shells. Like, you know, you, that it's something that you can see week after week that just feels really good. And it's just that it's a very satisfying arc. Um, Mm -hmm. and 
I was going to say that even, you know, obviously there's some things that, like I said, you know, might, I think by, uh, by our standards, they're definitely kind of sexist or very stereotypical. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, you know, Fran, she's always lying about her age, which actually just still made me laugh when she's like, you know, oh, I'm 29 and still living with my parents. And Niles is like, yes, 29. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and she's, you know, her whole connection with this eldest daughter is like basically through like makeup and, you know, you want boys to like you, which right. obviously like now we don't want to teach our daughters that, but I I'm going to be honest, I didn't give a shit. I liked it so much with the lens of 1993. But it's also like, it's also not, not something to teach your daughter. And like, if this girl, if this is where she's obviously, she's got a lot of other things that are like on track and okay, but this is an area of her life where like, yeah, maybe she needed her mom there to, Mm -hmm. you know, he is not like, I think, and that's why I think that aspect of it holds up is because it's not saying like, this is the only way these two women can connect. It's saying that like this father in particular is incapable of ever having this connection with his daughter and needs a bridge, you know, like he, mm-hmm. he's never Max, you know, Max Sheffield is not that guy. Uh, he's very English. He's very English. He's and very English. the weird thing is, I mean, so I'm, so funnily enough, my father married, my mother, who was a Jewish woman from New York, as his second wife, um, but it was a very similar situation with him and his um, first wife. They were both English, and their kids, who were you know basically English American hybrids, it was a very similar situation. My you know it's it it rang weirdly true. Like yeah. my mom is the emotional sort of tornado that <laughs> entered their lives. Yeah, so, yeah, but know, ultimately, yeah. you know, I mean, in Fran's case, she she's 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 an emotional tornado, but for positive, you know, for for okay. positive change. I like how you inferred correctly that it didn't go as well in real life. I, I didn't, didn't want to like. I didn't want to. I just just like. Hey, all I know is the show. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just here to talk about this TV show. Um, um but um, no, it's yeah. So. Long story short, getting back on track to, you know, he fires her. He uh, actually long story long, I guess, at this point. And Niall says this really, um, you know, prescient thing about maybe it's what you needed. And Mr. Sheffield realizes he made a mistake. He ends up going to Fran's parents' home where she lives in Queens. He goes to Flushing. Flushing. Um, He knocks on the door and, you know, under the guise of dropping something off or something like that. And then, you know, in his very roundabout kind of British, not, you know, sort of afraid to be vulnerable way, asked for her to come back. And, <laughs> yeah. So he has an interaction with her mother yes. uh, that is uh, also uh, played, played by Renee Taylor, who's mm-hmm. fantastic, by the way. Um, and, uh, and he has like an interaction with her that also sort of helps like, kind of like chip away at his icy British exterior. And, and then, yeah. And then he breaks down and and eventually he's, you know, he's like, look, why don't you, why don't you come do this? And we'll try this out. Meaning setting up that she will now move in with them because what he's really hiring is not a nanny. He's hiring an au pair because Mm -hmm. she's like a live in like permanent help. So she's going to go move into their house and live with them and, and presumably raise his children. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously there's sexual tension. They have a lot of chemistry, the two of them. She, uh, 
you know, so you immediately are set with the idea of like, oh, I want to see these two crazy kids get together. I want to see her fix his kids. I want to, you know, the the Niles, uh, CC, um, Fran triumvirate is great too. Like yeah. the way they all bounce off each other. And um, um, I wanted to say that a lot of the writers also overlapped with the Frasier writing staff, which is which just gets overlooked. You know, like Frasier is is remembered as such a witty show with such great lines. And yeah. The Nannies, I think, sometimes gets forgotten as a show that literally, yeah. you know, has some of the very same minds behind it. Um, so I think – I mean, I think that basically covers – there were a couple of random thoughts that I wanted to, to throw out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that you want to do, uh, we're going to try to end each episode with our favorite quotes from the episode. There's, yeah. There, we have a couple, a few segments that we'll end with from the episode. But, yeah. So, but please um, share your thoughts. So the, the only, the, the one thing that I had forgotten that I was reminded of in this pilot is that he is a Broadway producer, mm-hmm. not super successful, but there's a long running gag on the show that he is his nemesis is Andrew Lloyd, Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> and I had forgotten that entirely until I watched the pilot. And then they're talking about Broadway and I had this rush of like, Oh wait, that's right. And I think, I think Andrew Lloyd Webber shows up later. Like he guest stars <laughs> as himself. And it's just, again, it's like a very nineties, like, of course it's Andrew Lloyd Webber. Like who else would you have? Like if you were going to have like a musical theater, you know, like, uh, nemesis like it just it, it works so well and I, I think that that's great uh, so I'm very excited for Andrew Lloyd Webber guest well, can we also just say Sean is also a huge musical theater guy so this yeah. this show actually overlaps even more with you than I initially yeah the only realized. thing the show is missing is superheroes and ska and I would be like <laughs> oh well it's the best show ever made I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> why are we friends <laughs> <laughs> Because of the nanny. That's okay. true. That's true. What um what are the segments? Walk oh, okay. So the very first thing we kind of already covered this. We were gonna go, just uh, go over one Yiddish saying an episode, but we kind of already did that with um. Uh, oh well, we didn't explain what it is though. So tchotchkes, she says. Uh, tchotchkes is a Yiddish word for it means like like junk, right? Like mm-hmm. decoration, just like, like random. Yeah. Yeah. Random little cheap junk that you, that usually, you know, there's usually too much of it around the house. I feel like most people know what that is though. I think no we'll get into Yiddish. some deeper Yiddish as we go along, Oh yeah, but that's a, a that's an easy one. You probably already knew it listeners. It's the first one we lobbed you a softball. Yeah. We, we don't want to, we don't yeah. want to alienate our anti-Semitic listeners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> stick around. Stick around. We're going to be back to the Jews later in later episodes. <laughs> <laughs> For everyone. Um, okay. So, (laughs) just kidding, mom. I'm Jewish and I would never do that. I love you, mom. My mom's definitely going to listen to this podcast. Um, Yeah, this might be the first thing that my mom actually enjoyed that we've ever done. Exactly. Um, So, okay, the next thing I was going to say, we should let's share our favorite scenes from the episode. I'll start with mine really quick. So, there's a scene um, after Fran has gotten hired. It's like the morning after she spent her first night um, in this, like, you know, New York mansion. And it's this breakfast table scene where they're all already dressed for breakfast because they're like fancy high society people. And she comes down in her bathrobe. Um, she says, well, where do I sit? And, you know, Niles sort of pointedly goes, well, you know, the, the previous nanny ate in the kitchen. And she goes, how antisocial, <laughs> holds up a chair and then just proceeds to eat with them. And there was this other line, you know, when when I think Mr. Sheffield says like, you know, there's this, there's this fundraiser tonight, but the children won't be going. She just instantly goes, 
Of course they will, because we're a family and we support each other. And it was just like, it was so funny and warm and just like such the energy of the show. And again, it like weirdly made me uh, emotional. (laughs) I don't, maybe it's just where I am in life right now. Very emotional watching this show. I can't wait for future episodes. Um, what happens when there's like actual conflict on the show? Um, yeah, I I I thoroughly enjoyed that scene. I I, th- I mean, I there was really it was hard to pick one specific thing because like the whole episode just kind of works. I think though it's that first inter. I think my favorite is just when she first shows up. That whole first scene, I think, is just it's just like joke, 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 joke. It's and it's and it's all genuinely funny. But I think my my favorite line, and it's so subtle, and it's a joke. Again, it feels like it's just written for like people like that were raised by my parents. You know, like <laughs> she goes. Wow, this place is nicer than my Uncle Jack's condo in Boca. And there's a beat, and she goes, and he bought the bottle. Which, like, if I could tell you how many times growing up, my family talked about this other family in our neighborhood who bought the model home. So when she said that, I just was like, what is this show? Like, <laughs> I feel seen. Is Fran Drescher my mom? What is happening? Um, that's I thoroughly enjoyed that line too. That was a great one. Right. Um, okay, the next little segment that we're going to do is um, Nanny Cast trivia, where I'm going to share a bit of trivia and we'll ver- and we'll briefly discuss, and then we're, then we'll have one more little bit okay. after that. But okay, All so right. this was something that I thought was very interesting given the actual plot of the pilot. Initially, when uh, Fran Drescher and her husband pitched this to the network, there were only two kids. It was only the youngest boy and girl. There was no teenage girl. Grace, uh, I'm sorry, Maggie didn't exist. And the network actually pitched the note that um, I, we think there should be like a teen girl who Fran can more um, like directly mentor. And it's just when you watch the pilot that works, it's actually one of those times when you're like, wow, the network nailed that note. Like the, so much of the pilot centers around that dynamic, the conflict centers around it. And it was such a satisfying part um, of it that it would, it definitely was stronger because of it. Yeah. I mean, that's a great note. I think <clears throat> I can see the executive end of that note probably being motivated by like, well, we don't want the show to skew too young and we don't want it to skew too old. Like you run the risk where it's like, well, either only older people are going to watch it or it's going to be like a full house situation where like younger people are, and you know, and their parents are watching it. But like, if you've got like a teenage character on there, then like you can get that coveted like teenage like audience to tune in maybe. Um, and like, I don't think that that's really how it works, but like, uh, I can see that being like the motivation for like, oh, we need this in there, you know? Yeah. Or even um, grosser. Like we want some hot teen in there. Yeah. I mean, maybe like, yeah, you know, I, I, but like, I do think that like, it was definitely a great idea because I think that something would have been lost on this show if she was just dealing with two like 11 and nine year olds, you know, like two also, I think kids. you keep, you keep aging Gracie up a lot. I think this is like a seven year old child. Is she? She's like seven. I don't know. She's little. She's <laughs> very little. Neither here nor you, you keep being like, you know, a, a 12 and a 17 year old. I know he's 11 because I had read a bit of trivia that <clears throat> 
he is 11 years old and then they change him to, or he's 10 years old in the pilot and then they change him to be 12 years old after the show is picked up for some reason. Oh, interesting. I don't know why. Uh, Maybe because the actor was just aging too fast at that point. You know, like Mm -hmm. they had caught up to like, this kid doesn't look. Yeah, that kid is great, by the way. His, his, he was actually one of my favorite parts of the whole pilot. Like when he, when he says, Thank you, Sybil. When um, when his he, little sister says he has middle child syndrome, he reads to me like Mac and Richie Rich. I a hundred percent agree. I kept getting that's Mac what I see. Him. I get Mac. I get Mac specifically mm-hmm. Colkin and Ricky and Richie Rich. And I and I kept going like, oh man, Colkin could have done this. No, he, I like <laughs> had the same thought. Yeah. Um, and I our last segment, which I think we're probably gonna try to round out every episode with, it's just. Who was who's the Fran and who's the CC of this episode between mm. Sean and myself? Mm. I mean, I feel like this is going to be unfair to whoever every episode <laughs> because CC is always an asshole. But like, okay, I I thought, I, was, I thought that I was the CC and that you were the Fran. Yeah, I I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how is that going to change from episode to episode? <laughs> like, like I don't understand. <laughs> oh, great! This is just. <laughs> like yeah let's end every episode with you going mm, i think i was more like cc and i'll be like yeah dude you're fucking mean and like possibly i, I think she's a functioning alcoholic CC. well okay so that's more okay so you can you're the cc in episodes that lean more into that i'm just the cc in terms of like who's colder less warm and more of a negative presence <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's you do it to you. That's how also I would describe you, Tori. Yeah. Um, but in this one, I think that I think you wear your heart on your sleeve, and you're even though we're both half. Are you? You're half. We're both half Jews, right? I mean, we're both half. My dad you're was you're much so technically. I'm. Full, I don't know how it works. Like, but yes, my dad was a Catholic man, Italian man who lost faith in his religion, converted to Judaism, and married my mom, and I was raised Jewish. I don't know. We never talked about Christmas or Jesus or nothing like that. So yeah, I think you're the, you're the fuller, you're the more, um, you can say I'm the Jewier one. You're the Jewier one. one. That's fine. Um, but but it's not, it's not just about that. I think you just, you naturally are more that vibe. Wow. (laughs) Wow. No, it's a good thing. Fran is the hero of the episode. Of every episode, again, I'm not sure how this is going to play out from episode to episode because I feel like Fran is always the hero and Cece's <sighs> like. Is there ever a point in the show where Cece's not the not the heel? Uh, well, well that remains to be seen, right? Guess, it's probably, you're yeah. right. It's probably going to be. We're like probably going to. We have an episode that ends with like the audience being like, "Wow, Fran's a fucking asshole." <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and I just want to clarify. I'm not as bad as Cece. It's just that Sean and I worked together for several years. And I would say in our working relationship, he was a friend and I was the Cece. In real life, I think we're both wonderful. Yeah, I think we're both a little bit friend and and we can have our Cece moments. But honestly, uh, honestly, if I had to assign a character to you, I would have assigned Niles to you. I I feel Uh. you, you have a very, you've got like a witty... Uh, 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 like a cutting wit. You're very quick. Uh, you you always have like a joke. Like so, I don't know. I to me, when I was watching this, I was like, I, I forgot we were just doing Fran or Cece. So I was like, <laughs> oh, what character is Doria? And then I was like, 
my joke answer was going to be like, you're like the little boy who's like killing himself. But then, <laughs> but then I was like, no, she's kind of like Niles. Um, um, well, I found out that um, when I was trying to imitate Fran earlier this week, I can't imitate Fran very well, but I can imitate Mr. Sheffield better. <laughs> oh, Mr. Sheffield. <laughs> there you go. Miss uh, uh, Fine. <laughs> <laughs> um oh, that's great that's perfect so should we should we leave it on a on a nanny laugh should we leave the oh i think we're gonna call you guys nanny stands by the way yeah nanny stands anyone who's right. a mom and and tori's mom if you're listening you guys are our first two official nanny stands and probably um and they're gonna be like what's a stand i know that's a whole other um there so nanny stands we will leave you um with a nanny laugh and we thank you for sticking with us yeah, well, this episode won't be as long as this recording has been. I will edit it with precision, and it will be delightful. But uh, yeah, no, thanks. And we're going to watch another episode and then talk about that one. And Absolutely. continue doing that for 146 <laughs> more times. Until one of us dies. Yeah. All, All right. right. All right. One, two, three. Ah. The blushing girl from blushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. I go, uh, uh, me, Miss Fine. <laughs>